Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. For everything, for everything, a season. For everything, a season. A time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to sow, a time to reap. As we continue our study of the five prophetic seasons of David's life, continuing in our study of season one, faithfulness in small things, the Bethlehem season. Just a quick review from what we covered last week. As I said, we're still in season one, faithfulness in small things. And we talked about in that season, in that Bethlehem season, that there's lessons to be learned. That every season has lessons to be learned. And the lessons that are specific to that first season is that one, life is one of divine intentionality. Life is one of God, 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 things that happening in your world are not a coincidence. That everything God designs, everything God plans, everything God allows is intentional. You may not understand how one connects to the other, how one benefits the other, but he's working things out in your life. And so we talked about how even the significance of David being born and raised in Bethlehem was not a coincidence. But from the time before he was even born, God had intentions for his life. God is intentional about you. He is not haphazard about your life, haphazard about your destiny, haphazard about the plans that he has for you. And that was the thing that we drove home. He's intentional. And in that, we realized that two things. One, God had a plan for your life. We looked at Jeremiah chapter 1, and that even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God had a plan for your life. Am I doing something wrong? Okay, I got to take my necklace off. It's making too much noise. Praise the Lord. All of a sudden, I looked up, and there was three people waving at me in the sound booth. So, amen. That we understood that in the life of David, that we saw that even in these seasons of his life, that God had a plan for him before he was conceived. That before his father was conceived, God had a plan for his life. That before you were conceived, God had a plan for your life. And not just any kind of plans. Jeremiah once he had holy plans for your life sacred plans, set apart plans, made and intended just for you. The second thing that we learned was not only did God have plans for you, he currently has a plan for your life. And this is from our well-known scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11 that we love to quote, that I know the plans that he has for me, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. But the reality is in that, the context of that was the children of Israel were in a season of exile. They were in a season of disobedience. They had walked away from the plan of God and the direction of God. And even in spite of that, God said, I still have a plan for your life. And no matter what we have done and no matter how many missteps we have taken, if we turn back to God, we can see his revealed plan for our lives. The second part of that, number one, number two, was that the power and necessity of solitude. We went over and we learned that, that although sometimes David's life as a shepherd was glamorized 
him sitting and chilling in the sun and, you know, and the breeze blowing, that, that, that's not really the reality of the life of a shepherd. It was a hard life. It was a lonely life. It was him and the sheep. It was, it was the, the job relegated to the youngest in the family because nobody else wanted to do it. But in those seasons of solitude is when David really got to know who God was. Because he didn't have the distractions, he didn't have the noise, he didn't have the voices. It was just he and God and nature, and he began to, to grow and learn to be in awe of the majesty of who God is. We looked at Psalm 8 when he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? Who am I, God? That you even, that you even take notice of me. That in that solitude by himself, he began to see God in a way that you can't see when it's a whole bunch of noise around. And, and the encouragement was for us in this life, we've got to find some time to just be alone, just, just you and God. Not just you, God, and your husband and your children and you and, and, the, and the music, just you and your creator. And here, what, what are you saying to me? And we realize that it's in that solitude that we increase our relationship. Our relationship with God matures, and it develops the worshiper in us. We learn in Psalms 8, we were born to worship. We were created to worship God. It says from the time we were infants, we were created. But something happens when we get in caught of the busyness of life. But when we get alone, that, that spirit, that worshiper spirit that was innate in us comes back alive. Now, as we continue, there's more lessons to be learned in Bethlehem. Look at somebody and say, there's more lessons yet to be learned in Bethlehem. Because, you know, I, I say that because, you know, when we, when we experience a season, we are always in a hurry to get to the next one. I mean, we really are. We, we, whenever it's like, God, thank you, got it. Woo, that was powerful. Next. You know, we, 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 we do, we, we're ready. Like, I got the lesson, you're trying to do something, change my life, increase me, but it's like we're on. But God said, sometimes we gotta linger at a place to I accomplish all that I need to accomplish in this life. Remember, he's intentional about what he's doing. So the other thing that we're gonna look at as we continue in our study of the Bethlehem season, and we're gonna turn back to 1 Samuel 17, which is where we, we, we left off yesterday, I'm sorry, last week. <laughs> it feels like yesterday. First Samuel 17. The, the, the next thing is the process of peculiar preparation. You can say that fast three times. The process of peculiar preparation. Now, when we look at First Samuel 17, is actually the story of David and Goliath. Now, just to clarify, the story of David and Goliath does not take place in Bethlehem in this season. But we're going to look at that story today because there's something that David reveals about his Bethlehem season. And a word that he says that we learn about his Bethlehem season during this fight, this infamous fight or battle with, with David and Goliath. That's the one that most of us in here, if we don't know anything else about David, we know David and Goliath. People who've never been to church know David and Goliath because it's been used as a, for, for examples for so many things. Somebody small being able to defeat someone so much larger than they are. But let's look at, at this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, 
I'll give you a minute because I said that really fast and started reading. 1 Samuel 17, beginning at verse 32. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So here's, here's the setup. They, they are the, the Israel is engaged continually, understand, in, in a war with the Philistines. And so now this, this great champion has come out and he's taunting He's taunting the children of Israel. And all of these soldiers, with all their training and all their weapons, they're terrified. Where is David? He's at home doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's a shepherd. And so he's going on an errand sent by his father to give lunch. And he sees this, this, this situation going on. And he, you know, like most little kids, what's going on? What's happening? Who's did what? Where is it? And he's asking all these questions, and his brothers are even annoyed with this question. Like, why don't you just go back to those few little sheep you got to take care of? And he's insisting. He's like, why, why is everyone so scared? What's, what's going on? And they explain to him the situation. And he said, I'll fight him. And look at the story, how it transpires. So then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Since he has taunted the armies of the living God, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, he could go right on ahead. He's like, if you want, go for it. Now, the thing is, when you really look at this, what did killing a lion and a bear really have to do and how did it really relate to David's future destiny? Even in the killing of Goliath. Let, let me explain what I mean. Now, it would be different if when, when David killed Goliath, he and, and Goliath were going to be in hand-to-hand -hand combat. You know, he was going to be the little boy jumping on the big giant's back, and he was going to wail him and knock him down and, and put him in a chokehold. And then you could see the correlation between the preparation with the killing of the lion and the bear with what was gonna, but that's not what happened in that story. It was a stone, just one stone. He was knocked out dead. So the, the thing is why, 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 why the, the lion and the bear, if all he was gonna have to do was to, to shoot a stone to kill the giant? Let's go even future, what, what did, did that have to do with him later being king? Most kings don't go out and fight lions and bears. They have servants that do that. Should they come up? So, so what, what was God doing with David in this Bethlehem season with, with, with lions and tigers and bears? Oh, my. That was preparing him for his destiny. And, and the reason I call it peculiar preparation, one of the things you will learn in, in your Bethlehem season that sometimes God will have you doing things and in places that you are required to do things that make absolutely no sense 
for what you believe he's called you to do. And you will, you will, you will just be like, what in the world? Why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I working retail with a college degree? But God is, God is doing something. He's preparing you for something that looks nothing like the preparation that you're in. It reminds me of, 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 of a, a well-known movie that you know if you're over 35. The Karate Kid, the real one, the original one. No, that's all I'm gonna say, the, the right one, the real one. And, and, and the story, if you're familiar with, the, for those of you under the age of 35, you know, there was, you know, he was, this boy was being bullied at school. And, and he met this, you know, this karate master, and he wants to teach him how to be a teacher. Like, Can you teach me to fight? He wants to be a champion. But, but how he teaches him how to fight, so he calls him, like, yeah, I'll train you. So the first day, he has him doing chores. I thought you were going to teach me to fight. He said, I am. Second day he's doing chores, third day he's doing chores. And he's like, all I've done is clean up your place. Wax on, wax on, wax on, wax on. And he got annoyed because he couldn't understand how what he was doing was preparing him for what God had called him to. We don't sometimes understand that the mundane task, the everyday life that we don't like doing, God said, I'm preparing you for something greater. But see, here's where we get stuck. We don't like doing the mundane and the ordinary, so we just want to take a hop, skip, and a jump to the next level. And God said, I need you to go back to wax on and wax off because there's something in that season. And so the thing is, when God in this season, when it had nothing to do with a lion and a bear. It had nothing to do with that. Just like when Saul was out looking for those donkeys, it, it, it lost being about the donkeys. God was doing something greater. He wasn't trying to test David's strength. He was trying to test his faithfulness in small things. Let me explain what I mean. Remember, he didn't have a great job. But thank God he had a job. Whoever that's for. It wasn't the most glamorous job. It wasn't the most exciting job, but he had a job. And, and God said, is, is he going to be faithful in a job that is not such the, his dream job? Is he going to be consistent in, in, in being a shepherd? So let me, let me see. So imagine, here he is, and, and in a job he's not too crazy. Here comes the, the, the bear, comes, grabs the sheep in his mouth. Nobody told that sheep to go over there. <laughs> when am I going to get out of here? <sighs> Stupid sheeps. Because that's one reaction. Or he risked his life to save a sheep. So God said if he was willing to risk his life to save a sheep, that means he'd be willing to risk his life to save my people. If he can be faithful here, I know when the time comes, he's going to be faithful there. God is waiting for our faithfulness in small things. 
Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a, a, a real example that happened to me. I, 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 love, I love raw cashews, primarily because nobody else in my house eats them. And, and I, they don't usually sell them in the pack, so I have to get them by bulk. So I go to a, a well-known grocery store that's organic. It has all these things. And I buy these, these raw cashews and raw almonds. And you have to, to put the little tag on there, and you write the number down. You take it up to the cashier, and they weigh it. And they're kind of on the pricey side. They're like $9 a pound, whatever. And you weigh it, and they, they pay it. So one time I did that like I always do, and I got it to the cashier. And I said, the number's there. She said, oh, I don't need that number. She just put down some number. And I said, I wrote the number, she said, I don't need that number. And so my cashews that would normally come, and almonds that would come to like $13, came to $2.38. And you know what I said? I said, I don't want her to ever work for me. Because her thing was, this is not my store. I'm going to put in a number I know and keep it moving. See, those are the things we do. You, you get what I'm saying? God said, I, I want to see you faithful in the, in the little things. In the little things, like when, when you take something up and they can't find the price, and they're like, mm, 99 cent, that looks good. God said, that's not being faithful over the, the little things. The little things. So when, when he was faced with this lion and this bear, God said, I want to see his faithfulness in small things. And he said, I'm looking for something in particular. Let's go back a little bit. Turn with me. Still in 1 Samuel, but we're going to go back a little bit. Look at Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. This is long before we, we got to David and Goliath. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 4. Now, just to, again, to set this up, to give you the background, the context of this. So here is when, again, they're at war, at war with the Philistines. Saul is waiting for Samuel to come and offer the burnt offering, and he gets tired of waiting. The, the law said that the, the God, God's law was that the, the priest had to do it, and he got tired of waiting, so he did it. He just completely disobeyed God's law, his order, his command. And so when Samuel comes right afterwards, he looks at Saul and he says, but now your kingdom shall not endure. He said, the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. God then was looking at what David was doing. See, we always say David had a heart after God. It didn't just one night. It was like, wow, he's got a heart after God. No, it was in the little things that he cultivated a heart after God. That even when he had no idea what, what was in store for him and what God was going to do, it was in the little things in life that God was cultivating his heart. How do you know he was cultivating his heart? Because David did what God would eventually do for all of us, and that was to give his life so that his people could be free. But it started saving a sheep's life. What are you waiting for? 
God said, when I see your faithfulness in the small things, he said, that's when I get to promote you to rule over other things. He said, I want you to rule. I want to put you in places of authority. He said, but I, I need to see your faithfulness when you're in a servant mode. I need to see your faithfulness when you're in a mistreated mode. I need to see your faithfulness when you're not in your dream job, when you're not making the money you know you could. I want to see how faithful you can be because it's in those things that you feel like God has completely forgotten about you or that it's like he's, he's delaying your destiny. He's delaying you. And he said, just wax off. Wax on. Wax off. He said, I'm doing something greater than what you can see or understand. And so even tomorrow, where you go, if you get discouraged, sit at your desk and do this. Wax on. Wax off. Nobody will know what you're doing, but you, God, you're preparing me for greater because of my faithfulness for where I am. Wax on. Wax up, God, you're preparing me for things I could not possibly understand. That even if you began to reveal them to me, they are beyond my understanding. Wax on. Wax off. God, if you have me here and you're keeping me here, there's something that you want to accomplish in my life because I've already learned that you are intentional about what you want to do. Oh, my God, if we would just remember that. It's easy to realize it now because we're in church and it's a whole bunch of amens. It's another thing to remember it when you are in a bad place. When you got somebody yelling and screaming at you like you're a child and you don't understand why, you got to remember my God is still intentional. When you're looking at your bills and you've got more bills and you've got money, it's hard to understand that God is intentional, but he is. He is. Wax on. I mean, that was back in the 80s. We still remember that. For those of us who were born, wax on. Wax off. God, and it had, the, the, that, that waxing of the car, it looked like it had nothing to do with him being able to defeat his bullies. It, what was the relationship? Just like what you're doing, you can't understand, but God said, if you're faithful in it, just be faithful. You don't have to understand it. Be faithful in it. In the small things. So let's see what else God has. In this season of peculiar preparation, there's two things that God is testing. One, it's a test of your character. It is. It's a test of your character. One of the things we always think about when, when David was talking about the lion and the bear was that it was a test of his strength, but it was really a test of his character. Because let's admit it, we, in your own strength, you can't defeat a lion or a bear. The thing was, was he willing to risk his life because it was part of what God had called him to do in that season, which was to be a shepherd. And a good shepherd takes care of his sheep. And you know what? A good shepherd takes care of his sheep when no one's looking. That's character. Anybody can be pleasant when people are looking. Anybody can be respectful when you, when you see church folk walking around. You say, yes. It's another thing when you don't know about, they don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. I don't know you. You know a real test of character is when you deal with somebody who's giving you bad customer service. Which is a, ooh, it's a bad, it's a pet peeve of mine. It is. It drives me crazy, especially when I'm paying my money. 
but I can't act like them and represent God at the same time. When God puts you in those, he said, I'm, I'm testing your character. I'm testing your character in this season. And that's your strength. These, I know you with your strength. These, it's your, your, what do you do when nobody's looking? I know what you do here. We got that damn pet. What do you do when no one's looking? When you're at home with your husband, with your spouse, with your children, on your job, when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Character, when no one's looking. The next thing I believe God does in this, this, this peculiar preparation, he's revealing his character. He reveals his character. When you as a young boy go against a bear and you win, let me tell you something. You learn something about the God you serve. When you are faced with insurmountable tasks and you see yourself come out on the other side, you not only learn something about yourself, you learn something about your God. Because you can think, if, I mean, even we don't even have to take 10 seconds. You can think of a situation in your life where you say, I don't know how in the world I'm going to ever get out of this. And yet here you sit today. Why? Because of the character of God. We don't like those scenes. We don't like those scenes. We don't like those scenes in our life. But God says, I use them to prove to you I am exactly who my word says I am. I am the beginning and the end. I am unfailing. I am faithful. I am all powerful. I am all knowing. I am consistent. And I love you enough to die for you. I'm going to show you my character even when you're not showing me your best. He's an amazing guy. And sometimes, I'm, I'm not trying to prolong it, but sometimes when I get up here and, and I'm getting ready to teach, I promise you, I am in awe of the privilege that God has allowed me to open my mouth and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ for lives to be changed. It still, it, it just amazes me. Because I know me. Not even the old me. I know the current me. Do you understand? The stuff that I'm still working through, the stuff that I still have to die to daily, the stuff that God is still trying to work out and perfect in my life, yet it gives me the privilege. The privilege. It's a privilege. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. It's a privilege to be able to open my mouth because I know I serve a faithful God. I mean, I... I I'm amazed. Because if I were God, I'd be like, you know what? You still, you know, next. But his character shows me something. That even when I'm not faithful, he is. There's a lot to be learned in Bethlehem. It's a lot to be learned in Bethlehem. There's one more lesson we're going to talk about in Bethlehem tonight. Rejection. Bethlehem has a season of rejection in it. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Beginning at verse 6. 
And this is actually where we left off yesterday. I mean, oh my goodness, last week, y'all know what I mean. Yester Wednesday. First Samuel 16. And this is at the beginning when, remember God had told Samuel, go to, go to Bethlehem, go to the house of Jesse, you're going to find who I've, I've selected. So this is, this is where the context of where this picks up. It says, when they entered, he looked at Eliab, that was one of Jesse's sons. This is Samuel talking. This is Samuel. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. One translation, the runt. But he's out there with the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For I, I'm not going to go anywhere till he gets in here. There's two different types of rejection that we see here. And the first is what happens with Samuel when he sees. Now, here's the thing. Samuel, we've already learned in, 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 in pastor series on the anointing in this series that, that Samuel was like a superstar. He was, I mean, he was, he was God's, I mean, he was, he was on it. You know, he was, he, he was faithful, he was consistent, he heard God, he accurately represented God, he had a heart for God, a heart for truth, a heart for obedience. He, he, was, he, was, he was on it. But even in that, he missed it. Because in our lives, even those of us, like I said, we, we, we have callings and gifts, we have this, this, this flesh in us, saints of God, that we got to be careful how we use it. We can be very particular and make a lot of judgments about a person that we've never met based on when we just look at them. Now, we can say we don't do it, but we do. Mm. She, she thinks she's cute. That's okay. She ain't gonna always look like that. Oh, he must have a lot of money. Look at that car. Wow. Hmm. Must be kind of selfish because, you know, stuff like that costs. And we, 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 make, we make judgments on people based on the way they look, the color of their skin. And I'm not just talking black, white. We, we do it to one another. We, we do. You know? The size we are, we're too small, we're too big, we're too this, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you're too old, you're too... And God has said, see, this is what I got to get my people to understand. That is the first thing that we see. He said, but I need you to get beyond that, to see the heart of a person. 
Now, because that is the first thing that people see, we've got to be careful how we carry ourselves, especially as believers. We do. I'm not, you, even though you, because it can be a distraction, we have to be careful how we carry ourselves. I remember it was, it was one, one day my husband was coming home early from work, and my son was, was getting off the bus, and he was with his friends, and so my husband's not usually home at that time. And, and you know how you driving and you say, that, that can't be my child? <laughs> and you know how you like that? No, it couldn't be. And so he had taken off all his, his clothes, his uniform, and he was walking around like, <laughs> you know, we were, that's not where we come from. <laughs> and, and, and my husband said, he said, that can't be my child. And what we were trying to get him to see, and he was like, what? Everybody else took this? I said, sweetie, let me, let me explain something to you. What you, you wear and what you do communicates something. You know, I, I was trying to get him to see that it, it communicates something about who you are. So I'm not saying that you can just be and look and do whatever and say, well, you need to look at my heart. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify, okay? <laughs> You need to look at my heart. My heart is good, my heart is pure. God knows my heart. We all know those people, right? Okay? But at the same time, get to know a person before you judge a person. So David was judged, he was overlooked because in this instance, he was, Samuel was looking for somebody of a certain stature, of a certain look, a certain face, a certain quality, a certain handsomeness. He was overlooked me to fail to notice, to perceive, or even consider. The first thing is he's overlooked by somebody who doesn't know him based on what they don't see in him. Now, actually, in this instance, he was never even there for them to see him. <laughs> but the reality is he was so sure that one of the other older, taller, more handsome sons had to be the person that we can sometimes be overlooked. And even though it happens, rejection can be painful. It can be painful, but it happens in this season. He's overlooked because he didn't fit the part. He didn't look the part. There are some times that people will overlook your gifts and your talents because you don't look the part. Uh, she looks a little too young. Well, we're not looking for somebody quite as mature, is what they say. Now, you can do the job. You can knock it out the, knock it out the park. But we were looking for, you know, someone with a little bit more experience. And so in this season, you have to deal with just being overlooked, of, of people not even recognizing, giving you credit for who you are and the gifts that are in you. And when you've already gone through some of these other things, it's like, God, I know, I know you've put this in me. Why can't they see it? Why? And he said, it's a season. He said, because even in you being overlooked, I'm still intentional. Don't, don't take man's rejection as the final word. Don't ever take man's rejection as the final word. Because God's always got something he's working out. So not only are you overlooked in this season, 
That's why people who don't know you, you don't look the right part, you're not the right size, you don't have the right hair color degree, whatever. But then something happens to people who do know you. They underestimate you because they do know you. And they've known you. And they know when you didn't. And, and, and they don't see all the stuff that you're trying to do. And they underestimate you. That's what Jesse did. Samuel overlooked David. Jesse underestimated David. How do we know Jesse underestimated David? Because he didn't even call the boy in the house. He said, one of your sons God has selected. He didn't even get the boy from the field to even give him a chance in the running. You know, it's one thing to not think it's him. Because, I mean, we can be surprised. Oh, I know it ain't that one. But at least call him to the party. And so he didn't even, I mean, he had so, such low expectations for David, he left him out in the field. But this is the powerful part about this story. It doesn't matter who overlooks you. It doesn't matter who underestimates you. When God's got something for you, he knows how to get to you. Isn't that good news? Overlook me. Say I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. Say that I don't know if she has it in her, I don't know if she's this. You can say all of that, but when God has something for you, he knows how to get to you. He's like, okay, fine. My man's rejection is never the final word in your destiny. And sometimes, let me tell you how the enemy uses rejection. You can be rejected from one thing and it'll stunt you. Well, you'll never even try it, that thing again. And I mean, and sometimes you hold on to it for years. Well, I, I always wanted to be, you know, an accountant. Or I always wanted to be this. And they said I didn't have the, have the, have the good enough math skills or my, my IQ wasn't high enough. And you're still holding on to that thing and an opportunity will come. And before you even try again, you say, nope, I'm not the right person for the job. Not because of what God has said, not because God has changed your direction, but because you're holding on to man's rejection. But look at somebody and say, God has the final say. Don't let rejection get you down. You can cry. I cry. It hurts. It hurts. But then you got to say, my God is intentional. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. God has a plan. He had a plan. He has a plan. Wax on, wax off. God, whatever you got to do to pick your head up and go on to the next place. Now, if God rejects you, then you cry, cry. You ain't never cried before. That's a song kind of, oh my gosh. But, but man's rejection doesn't define your destiny. So if you've been rejected, it's all good. You're just in Bethlehem. And God is still looking at your faithfulness in small things. Are you faithful even in the rejection? Do you write a nasty letter telling them you ain't want their job? No way. <laughs> I've known it's been done. I ain't want to work there? No way. Oh, okay. Is that what you're doing? Or are you in depressed mode and God has forgotten me mode? Or are you still saying, God, in the midst of it all, you were faithful? Small things. We want to rule, but God said, I'm looking at your 
your faithfulness in, in, in small things, when you get the bad report, when you get the I'm sorry, not this time, when you get declined, and you had dreams for, for home ownership, and they said, well, no, your credit is, God, God said, have you, have, are you stuck there? Are you stuck there? Because he said, I, I, have, I have greater things in store for your life. I'm going to end with this quote. It says, man's rejection of you provokes God's promotion for you. Man's rejection of you provokes God's promotion for you. It's okay. God, God's got something. He's got something for my life because it's, it's his plan. It's, he's intentional. I'm just in a Bethlehem season. So what do we learn from Bethlehem this week? We got to be faithful in those small things. That even in seasons of rejection, God is watching us. He's testing our character. And, and that sometimes the things that he has us doing make absolutely no sense to us but he's preparing you for something you couldn't possibly imagine. Where you literally stand there like, really? That's what this was all about? Really? You mean you, all the time, when I was picking up trash, and I was dealing with rude customers, and I was working to it, this, 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 this is what you were getting me ready for. And you were watching me all along. Wax on, wax off. He's intentional about your life. He's intentional. In the rejection, it's intentional. Because here's the reality. If you didn't get rejected, you would never get to the place that he wanted you to be in the first place. If he hadn't broken your heart, you would have never found someone who could love you unconditionally. God said, even in the rejection, I'm intentional. Next week, we're going to conclude this series, and we're going to look at the last stage in our Bethlehem season. So we know that God uses our solitude. God uses the mundane things to get us to a place in him. He uses peculiar things that seem to make illogical sense, but it's testing our character. It's testing our faith. It's testing our spirit for him to take us to something greater. Amen. Amen. Everyone standing on your feet. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location. 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastor's Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.